This is Light of the Word. Your conscience can commend you, or it can condemn you, or it can convict you. Today, Pastor Steve Mays talks about the function of the conscience. It becomes like a detective, a counselor. It becomes someone that brings a red flag up. Don't go down that road. All of a sudden, some gal walks in front and your eyes are going. And the umpire stands up, personal foul, personal foul. And all of a sudden, you realize it and you bounce your eyes and you pull back. And that's why you have a pure conscience, because there's something going on. This is Light of the Word, the legacy ministry of Pastor Steve Mays, winning and encouraging people with the teaching of God's Word from Calvary Chapel, South Bay in Gardena, California. So follow the light of the Word. What is the function of the conscience? I have heard it described as the double yellow line on the highway of life. It's what God has given us to guide where we should go and where not to go what to do, and what not to do. But like the double yellow lines, the choice is still up to whether we're going to stay within those parameters. You see, the conscience can't keep us from making wrong choices. So what can it do? Today we hear as the late Pastor Steve Mays shares from the Apostle Paul's counsel to young Timothy as found in the book of 1 Timothy in today's lesson called The Function of Conscience. There are three things I want to share with you this morning, three simple things concerning the conscience And the conscience is a word that means very simply, the word con means to come alongside, and the word knowledge or science is the word knowledge. So it means to know alongside. In other words, you have knowledge alongside of all of your decisions. And the conscience is to warn against everything that is contrary to the will of God. It is to urge you towards that which is righteous in God. It is absolutely truthful. You will find that your conscience is one of the most honest things in your life. You will say, I am loving her, when in reality, your heart will tell you you're lusting. And then you will be driving down the street saying, I like to have that house. And what you're saying is, man, I want that house more than anything in my life. Your conscience can become a wonderful thing. But there's three things I want to look at this morning. Number one, it can commend you. And secondly, it can condemn you. And thirdly, it can convict you. So it can commend you. In other words, doing that which is right in the sight of God. God's going to bless you. He's going to minister to your heart. Or it can condemn you. You shouldn't be in bed with that gal. You shouldn't be drinking, smoking that joint. Shouldn't be doing these things. You know it. God knows it. I know it. You shouldn't be doing it. And so you feel the guilt. You feel the shame. Or it can convict you. In other words, I need to do something about it. Let's take a look at these three because I think they're kind of interesting when I do. First of all, it can commend you. 
come all the way down to the simple teaching of God's word. If I allow the light or the lamp of God's word to come into my heart, I'm not living this Christianity for any other reason but Jesus Christ. And I'm not allowing just the teaching of the Bible on Sunday morning, but I am now opening the Bible on a daily basis in my life. God begins to light the candle of your heart. It says in Proverbs that the spirit of man is like the candle of the Lord. And as you read, as you spend time with Jesus, as your relationship begins to grow, something happens very real in your heart. The first thing that happens with a spirit that is in the word of God is you find that you have a good conscience. It says here in 1 Timothy 1.5, Now the end of the commandment is love. And out of a pure heart and a good conscience of faith unframed. In other words, there's something good about the way you're thinking. Every thought, every action, the fantasies of your life, they're good. There's nothing evil at this point in your life. You're thinking on that which is holy and that which is good, spiritual things, and you're beginning to look around and you have a pure heart towards people. You can look at a sister and you can see that she's beautiful, but you're not lusting after her because you have a good conscience. In other words, you've been in the word and the word has lit the candle and the candle is burning bright. And because it's burning bright, it's going to tell you, back off. It's going to tell you, look up. It's going to tell you, walk away. But you have a good conscience. And Paul was saying, it doesn't make a difference what anybody else says about who I am, Timothy. I have a good conscience before God. This God that knows everything I've done, he is saying to me, Timothy, that my life is good. When I have a good conscience, it means that I'm walking in the presence of God. Oh, I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm not going to be stumbling over lusting and greed and jealousy and trying to pull strings. I got a good conscience. He says again in 1 Timothy 1.19, holding faith and a good conscience with some having put away concerning faith, even shipwrecked. Hymenius, you remember? He was the guy that was seeking to bring false teaching, and Alexander was the one that was gossiping about Paul. And it really drove and hindered the work of God. And so Paul said, I pray that God, you would reward them according to their works. But God then turns around and says, but Paul, you have a good conscience. These men are evil. You have not taken them by your side. In other words, you've maintained your integrity before me. And then he mentions not only a good conscience, but also he mentions a pure conscience. Notice in chapter 3, verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith and a pure conscience. And what he's saying here is that when I've given you a ministry or I've given you a wife or I've made you single or whatever I've done in your life, you have a pure conscience in the sense that you're doing this thing in the right way for the glory of God. You're not double-minded. 
And so here's a man or a woman being in God's word, being by the candle of the word of God, and because of that lamp, now they have a good conscience and they have a pure conscience. But also commending, he says in Acts chapter 24, verse 16, And herein do I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense towards God and towards others. He's commending me. Why? Because of a good conscience, because of a pure conscience, and because of a sincere conscience that there's no offense, that I'm not out hurting people, stepping on people, desiring to take advantage of people. Things are happening in my life. You're saying, well, time out. I don't think my conscience is good. I'm kind of mad right now, and I don't think my conscience is real pure. I'm kind of lusting right now, and I know that I don't have a sincere conscience because I want to get even. Well, let me tell you why. You are out of the Word of God. What Paul was saying to Timothy is, Timothy, my son, when your lamp is lit and the Word of God is being ministered and you are feeding this conscience, it will guide you into goodness. It will lead you into purity. And that's the most exciting thing to realize that it becomes an umpire. It becomes like a detective, a counselor. It becomes someone that brings a red flag up. Don't go down that road. All of a sudden, some gal walks in front and your eyes are going. And the umpire stands up, personal foul, personal foul. And, you know, it's like all of a sudden you realize it and you bounce your eyes and you pull back. And that's why you have a pure conscience because there's something going on. You know that's wrong and you know... This is right, and you, you can't cross over because it's too crystal clear. It's too evident in your life. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, it only happens when all of a sudden you understand what everyone has been trying to teach you for all these years in your life. I don't like devotions. Then you don't like a good conscience. And the problem, if you don't have a good conscience... That conscience is going to keep you up all night. It's going to condemn you. It's going to wear you out. It's going to drag you down. It's going to fry you. It's going to destroy your own personal life. So here's what you do. God, I understand that me setting before you reading my Bible is not because I have to, but I am personally responsible for feeding this organ that God you've given to me. Now, I have an organ right in front of me called my stomach. I've been faithful. <laughs> Stephen, if you will feed this organ my word, I promise you when you have to make a decision at church, you won't make a mistake. And when you have to sit down with your wife and talk to her, you won't make a mistake. In other words, I'm going to be crystal clear because it speaks to my heart. So first of all, I realize it can commend you. Secondly, it can condemn you. Let me tell you how it works. Very simply. Notice if you would, and just stay where you are, probably be the very best. If I lose the lamp, and say I'm out of fellowship and no longer sensitive to God, maybe I'm just coming to Bible studies on Sunday morning, and that's the only time I get the Word of God, and I'm trying to hold this little flicker, and you're trying to take this little lamp, and we just got a little, little, tiny bit of flicker going on. 
And all of a sudden, you are coming, sitting in the front row, and, and you got this little tiny bick. Well, I want to pour gas on top of you and just set you on fire. Why? Because I want you to see the light. I need you to be illuminated. And when all of a sudden, you're not illuminating your inner man, your spiritual man, you're going to become weak. And it says in here, 1 Corinthians 8, 7, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures and you can stay where you are. How bit it there is not in every man that knowledge for some with conscience of idols unto the hour eat the things offered unto them of idols and there for conscience sake being weak is defiled. So the first time I see this, I realize the possibility of me having a weak conscience. In other words, I'm kind of insecure, kind of timid, kind of resistant, not really strong. And all of a sudden, I begin to see that being out of God's word, I begin to need people and want people and have to have people. And how do people view me? And I'm not real strong. And you offend me. And why offend them? And now I'm in this whole realm of people. And it becomes a real problem. I find my conscience is weak. But that's not the end of it. I think if it could just stop there, it'd be okay. But it then goes to another area. It says in Hebrews in 10.22, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Now it went from just a, a weak conscience to an evil conscience. It was in the Word, and it got out of the Word. Now it's just kind of hanging out once in a while in the Word. Now this person has come by, and it's added a little bit of evil. And now the Word isn't important, so this is important. And I begin to feed my life with evil. And I begin to talk evil. I begin to curse, and I begin to see things that are evil. And I begin to embrace evil, and all of a sudden, I have an evil conscience. I'm not convicted by things, and things don't bother me, and so it doesn't bother me. I don't feel guilty any longer. I've justified living with other people. No big thing, but down deep in my heart, something's horribly wrong. And if I leave it there and don't do anything, it turns to another. In Titus 1.15, he said, "...unto the pure all things are pure." But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, and their mind and their conscience is defiled. So it started weak, it went evil, now it's defiled. In other words, it's inside. It is just stripping all the things of God out of your life. It's like a virus gone crazy inside of your mind. The scriptures that you knew, the convictions that you had, and now you're looking at women with the desire to pick them up. And you're looking at the drinking. And not only that, but you're buying it. And you're walking in with no shame. You're buying it and just enjoying it. But it gets deeper. It gets worse. And finally, we see in 1 Timothy 4.2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience sheared with a hot iron. And there it is. All of a sudden, I realize that my heart has been just branded. There's no feelings. It's been cauterized. In other words, I allow this anger to get into my life, this bitterness to dominate my life, this 
horrible thing taking place, and now I have no feelings whatsoever about my kids, about my wife, about the church, about community, about the family. I don't care about nobody. It's all about me, and I'm going to live my life for myself. What happened? What in the world happened? And I just want to tell you, I really believe I have an answer for you. When this guy or gal was in the word, it was good and it was pure and it was sincere. When they got away from the word, they got weak and they became evil and they defiled themselves. And now they're bitter and hard and callous and they're out there and they don't know what to do and they're absolutely miserable. And it becomes a torment. And your conscience will torment you and haunt you and come after you because that's why God gave it to you. Something's wrong. And it's terrible. You show me two people, one in the word and one out of the word, and I'll show you the person out of God's word has justified and made decisions and their life is a mess, their business is a mess, everything's a mess. What happened? They're not being guided. And so I can be commended or I can be condemned or third, I'll leave you right here. It can convict me. Notice it says, I found his lamp. So I had the lamp and then I lost the lamp and now I'm able to find his lamp once again. And John 8, 9, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience. Who's that sound like the prodigal son? Man, I'm eating corn. I could have it better. I mean, he's just able to talk to himself. This is the pit. I don't like the guilt, the shame. Oh, the enjoyment of sex was great, but the guilt I have to live with in the Holy Spirit showing me in the emptiness and the filthiness and the dirt. I just can't bear it. I can't bear it. I can't do it no more. Next Friday night. Hi, how you doing? You want to sleep with me? Sure. Somehow, you keep killing it. And it kind of gets stuffed. And it's an interesting word. I don't know if I can say it in the Greek, but it means kind of like a record player that's been filled up and there's no grooves. And when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes, he, he cuts a new groove into the record. And God has to... Go deep inside of your conscience and reformat. Maybe that's the word. He needs to reformat your computer. And sometimes that computer or that record needs to be reformatted so he cuts deep with the word. And they were convicted. And their conscience convicted them because of who they were. And you remember the story. They were ready to throw rocks at the woman who had committed adultery and Jesus wrote in the sands and they walked away. But here's the verse I want to leave you with this morning. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And that is the most exciting verse because this is what it tells me. Hey, I was in the word. And I got really busy and got out of the word, made some horrible decisions in my life, kind of let down my standard, weakened my inner man. I kind of got defiled and 
My attitude stinks, but God, I'm so convicted. Lord, would you have me back? And Jesus said, by the blood of Christ, he'll take me out of dead works to serve the living God. And God can once again give you a tender conscience. But here's how it has to happen. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God's flashlight of his word shining it on that conscience. And so the mandate for you and I is those that point God's word to their conscience will be happy people. And those that don't will be miserable people. And if you're miserable, but you love God, it's because your conscience is condemning you. If you're blessed, it's because you're right with God. And there are times I can say, Lord, man, I can teach, I can do, I have confidence, I got boldness, but hey, I've been busy, haven't been around you, haven't been feeding, and you know, kind of lowered my standard, and you know, kind of looking here, and I shouldn't be looking there, and you know, my heart's kind of wicked, and I don't feel the throbbing, I don't feel the, the power of the Holy Spirit, it's something's dead inside of me. And all of a sudden you hear this burnt flesh, you've been seared, and I'm just dead. At that point, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to touch you and to give you a new conscience, to fire up the light, to shine in your heart the hope of glory. But I must feed my conscience, and once a week isn't going to do it. If you only feed it once a week, then your conscience is going to be constantly dealing in your life of what you should be doing and you're not. So feed it. The late Pastor Steve Mays on the function of the conscience in the life of the believer. A classic lesson that's been one of the most popular over the years and still every bit as timely today. To hear it again, or maybe you'd like to share it with a friend, you can find that in seconds simply by going to lightoftheword.org. That's also where you can go to sign up for the daily podcast. You really should get that. Or click the archive button if you'd like to listen to any of our daily broadcasts, and that includes today's. That's lightoftheword.org. Now, if you'd like even more insight by hearing the original message, why not get the full-length presentation on CD? It's a study called The Function of Conscience. All it takes is a simple phone call from you, 1-800-339-WISE, and then ask for the title, The Function of Conscience. Or you can write to us at Light of the Word, Box 300, Torrance, California, 90507. Better yet, this is just one of several lessons from the books of First and Second Timothy that Pastor Steve shared during his ministry. We've put them all together in a convenient package that allows you to get a much more complete picture of the Apostle Paul as he encouraged the church. Ask about the Timothy series and how you can get this great resource for yourself when you call us at 1-800-339-WISE. Or check out the details at our website, lightoftheword.org. Also in this short month of February, maybe you're feeling like, well, you're trying to squeeze too much into your schedule. Maybe your schedule is even doing a little squeezing of its own, all the time leaving God out as you overburden yourself with other things and become overwhelmed with all the places you have to be and the things you have to do. Well, we have a two-book tune-up for you to get that drive back on track. It's Pastor Steve's great books, Overcoming and 
Overwhelmed by God and Not Your Troubles. We think you're going to like both of these books. Now, in the book Overcoming, Pastor Steve talks about all the luggage and the burdens that we often try to take with us as we travel through life, how anxiety and regret slow us down and sometimes force us off the straight and narrow road as our spiritual life goes flat. But, you know, just like the popular song, the book encourages us to let Jesus take the wheel in life as we take the back seat and let God do all the driving and direct us. And, of course, while you're in that proverbial back seat, you'll be in the perfect place to read Pastor Steve's other book called Overwhelmed by God and Not Your Troubles. It's the perfect combination of books to help us keep perspective and remind us that God really is in control. Now, this book was written during some of the most trying times in Pastor Steve's life, physically. Of course, those physical handicaps and the pain he experienced could have easily distracted him from his mission and left him mentally and spiritually depressed. But instead, he chose to let those circumstances fuel his passion to seek the Lord first and see how God added blessings he never would have otherwise known or understood, blessings that could only be appreciated after experiencing loss. Overwhelmed by God and not your troubles, along with the book Overcoming, prepare us by giving us a glimpse of that appreciation. Ask about that two-book tune-up when you call us at 1-800-339-WISE to get overwhelmed by God and not your troubles, as well as overcoming in hard copy, ebook, or audiobook. Simply call 1-800-339-WISE. It's also right there at our website, lightoftheword.org. That's lightoftheword.org. When we continue, more good mentoring from the Apostle Paul as we learn that our identity and our security can only be found in Christ. That's coming up on the next Light of the Word. Light of the Word, Light of the Word, the hope that shines in dark. 